for this article at globalnews.ca that is really worth a read if you haven't checked it out. It's comparing how the cost of fuel for five different vehicles has changed over the last uh, couple of years. I don't know whether or not uh, you want to read this because it might make you cry, but uh, there's uh, several really interesting facts. Uh, For example, a 2022 Honda Civic sedan. They look at this back in June of 2020. It cost you on average $47.36 to fill. Last year, in June of 2021, that was up to $62.70. Here, this June, June of 2022, it now costs you $95.95. So that is a, quite a spike in two years from $47 to roughly a 95 to fill the uh, Civic, the Honda Civic uh, sedan. Uh, the other one that really caught my attention in this article is the pickup truck, the uh, Ford F-150 XL. If you had one of those back in June of 2020, it cost you roughly $87.87 to fill. Last June, $116.31. In this June, $178. So again, in two years, it's gone from $87 to $178, nearly a $100 increase to uh, fill the tank. For more on this, here's our friend Kenneth Bocour, host of the EV Revolution Show on YouTube, who joins us now. Hey, Kenneth, good afternoon. And uh, these numbers, that's just a couple of examples. I mean, they really are eye-opening when it comes to uh, gas and combustible engines. Well, good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. They absolutely are. You know, basically, we've doubled the cost uh, to fuel up a vehicle through petrol over the last couple of years. It's almost bang on to double. So those numbers are exactly what I'm hearing from owners who are, you know, maybe thinking of electrification. And they're, they're telling me, you know, it's costing me 150 200 bucks for a fill-up now. Yeah, well, could you give us uh, some uh, comparables just off the top of your head? When we look at the F-150 now costing roughly $178 to fill the uh, tank, I immediately think of the new F-150 Lightning, which has just been uh, released by Ford. Do we know how much it costs on average just to charge it, fill fill it up? Well, if I use an Ontario off-peak, like overnight charging rate that we could plug in with a level two charger at home and to charge up the uh, the F-150 Lightning, uh, it's probably going to be about double to triple of what it would cost my Model 3. And my Model 3 costs about 5 to $6 to get about, you know, uh, an 80 to 90% charge on that. So even if we say 15 to $20, that would probably be high on that F-150 Lightning. That's most likely what it would cost you to charge that up overnight in your home. Wow. Okay. That is a huge difference. $20 to $178 is the... Absolutely. Yeah, is the mileage, do we know, Kenneth, is it roughly the same between the combustible uh, engine of the F-150 and the uh, Lightning? Do you get the same sort of range or, or mileage on a fill-up? Uh, you don't. The uh, X-150s have large uh, fuel tanks uh, somewhere in excess of 85 liters and up, depending on the models that you get. Um, the Lightning ha- has various battery pack options, and they are quoting three, 400-mile ranges for U.S. specs, so you know, 500 plus kilometer ranges here in Canada. So they wouldn't be exactly comparable to those ranges, but at, you know, a very much a fraction of the price cost to fuel those vehicles, they certainly make a compelling argument, even in winter when you could lose 30% of that range. 
Sure. So uh, obviously this is something that a lot of people have been starting to uh, factor in and considering with these high gas prices, whether or not it's a worthy investment and make the leap to uh, electric or an EV. And again, when we start looking, although it's not exactly apples to apples here because of the uh, mileage or the uh, range, as you just mentioned, it certainly is a compelling argument when it comes if you're looking to save and who isn't uh, some money at the uh, pumps. Absolutely correct. Uh, you know, what I when I talk to consumers who are interested in making that switch, it really is you have to understand each person's personal needs and preferences from a, a varying wide variety of options that they're looking for and trying to make that judgment call for them. But in general sense, uh, if an EV can work for you, even as a secondary vehicle, it's a great choice to look at. All right. Well, speaking of uh, perhaps purchasing a new vehicle, EV or otherwise, we know it's just not gas prices that have been going through the roof. New cars, uh, used cars, their prices have been escalating as well. But we're starting to hear that Canadian vehicle prices, which have, uh, again, hit a record highs uh, in the month of uh, May, uh, they may have uh, now peaked, we think, Kenneth? Yeah, that's correct. You know, everything is going up with inflation that we're seeing around the globe. Certainly, we're feeling it, the, the pocket pinch here in Canada. The average new vehicle price in Canada reached uh, just under, just over, sorry, $54,000 in May which was a 17% uh, increase from last year and up a little bit from April. But it seems that they're plateauing at this point in time. And I would attribute that to just consumer spending. You know, there's got to be a point where consumers say, well, they're just getting a bit too expensive now. We're going to have to just keep our old clunker running for the foreseeable future until some of these prices may come down or, you know, uh, interest rates go down and inflationary pressures ease. Okay, so we think that this is more attributable, I'm sorry, to, I guess, price fatigue rather than uh, supply increasing, because uh, we've heard, like so many things, it's a supply chain issue, in particular, uh, microchips uh, not available. That's why new cars have not been plentiful and that uh, the price of uh, used cars have gone through the roof. That's exactly correct. You know, we're a capitalist society, so it is a supply and demand market. When there's a lot of supply and not as much demand, then the prices go up. That's just the way it is. So that's how it's been for vehicles, both new and used, and both internal combustion and EVs. It's all in the same bracket. Uh, we should, though, start seeing supplies slowly get better over the next several months. On the EV side, I'm predicting by the end of next year, we'll start to see much more inventory and, and ease of some of those wait times for EVs as all those OEMs ramp up the productions that they started uh, throughout this year. So we are hopefully going to see even things like semiconductors ease up by the latter part of this year or into early 2023. All right. So when it comes to EVs, we think the supply is going to increase, not necessarily because of uh, microchips or uh, processors, but uh, because, as you mentioned, there's so many OEMs, as we know, and it seems like there's a new EV out every other week uh, now that uh, we're really about to see you know, quite a few new uh, EVs from uh, some well-established uh, brand names uh, there uh, on the immediate horizon here. Absolutely correct. You know, they do uh, impact from the chip shortage as well as a lot of technology in EVs. But uh, I think the main um, narrowing of the supply chain there is just you've got all these OEMs now that have committed to ramping up production for multiple various vehicle launches. And they're all going after that same supply chain piece of the pie. So, you know, whereas a couple of years ago, there might be half a dozen or so, so major OEMs going after, let's say, the battery cell marketplace. Now you've got a couple of dozen uh, manufacturers going after that same piece of the pie, that battery supply chain marketplace, which hasn't spooled up itself either. They're all the major battery manufacturers are 
adding new plants or, or adding new production facilities to existing plants to increase the demand, but that takes time to flesh out and to build those and get them going. Yeah, it really is an exciting time, uh, Kenneth. And of course, uh, for years now, when it comes to EVs, Tesla has been the one dominating the uh, headlines. It's been the uh, best-known name or brand. Just mentioned the Lightning a second ago. That pickup truck has also got a lot of talk, a lot of headlines. Is there anything on the horizon that uh, you're really looking forward to uh, seeing? Is there something out there that's uh, really piqued your interest that's coming? Well, you know, I'm I'm very uh, strong on GM. You know, they've made some big commitments and they put some huge spending out there to increase their EV footprint. You know, they have this all-in strategy for most of their platforms. I think their Silverado EV pickup truck coming in 2024 will do just as well uh, with the Ford F-150 because there's a dedicated owner base for GM. I'm excited about that. I think the Cadillac Lyric, which uh, is just starting production as we speak, um, I think that's going to do well in that luxury marketplace where it's at. We have some other contenders, like we have this uh, company from Vietnam called VinFast, coming to Canada with some more affordability aspects to their product that seem to be well-built, well-constructed, and offer compelling EV choices. So I think those are strong candidates, not, of course, to rule out Toyota, and um, Subaru as well that share this platform. Uh, Toyota's first all-V entry. I think you know, there's a lot of Toyota fans out there with great build quality. They build good cars. We'll just have to see how that fares into the market and how they price it and things like that. So those are some of the ones that I'm really excited about for this year. All right. Uh, just finally, I uh, want to mention uh, Apple because they had some big announcements uh, earlier this week when it comes to their uh, products. But uh, they also announced, and we know that our vehicles, uh, Kenneth, they're really just uh, as much as they are cars, they're rolling pieces of technology uh, anymore. And Apple has announced they're going to do a bit of a, an even deeper dive into uh, autos with their uh, software. Yeah, we're used to the Apple CarPlay, which lets you, you know, put maps on the screen, play music, uh, re- respond to messages and some of those Apple functionalities. But in their latest um, uh, iOS 16 release, they're talking about this Apple Car dashboard. And basically, they're looking to replace the entire digital instrumentation cluster with an Apple look and feel and display functionality. Uh, and that's a pretty big deal for people that want that. You know, I, what I've seen from Apple is they tend to simplify, you know, what the screens look like, give you give owners the more uh, prevalent information that they want rather than adding a lot of clutter. Uh, and by what I've seen in the initial releases of pictures and some of the information, it does look pretty good. And a lot of the OEMs do back and want to integrate with Apple. All right. Some exciting stuff on the uh, horizon, as we mentioned. Kenneth, appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much for this. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for having me on. Have a great day. You too. Kenneth Bocour is host of the EV Revolution Show you can find on YouTube. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.